If you have your Bible with you today, uh, or Bible apps on your phone, if you would, get those out and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I started a new series last week. If you, by any chance, if you're new here, of course, you may not have seen that. Uh, uh, if you're old here and you didn't see it and uh, weren't, weren't here, uh, this is part two, and I want you to know these are very much connected to one another, all right? So uh, what I say today is in context with last week. What I say next time will be in context with today. Everybody with me on that? Because I'm talking about a subject that people frequently take out of context, all right? Whether we're reading scriptures or application to their own life, they do that, and they do it to their own demise. Uh, this series is called Rich in God. Are you ready for that? Rich in God. The subject of wealth and riches intersects all areas of life, all right? Most importantly, our relationship with God. You're not going to separate your stuff, your money, your possessions, your wealth from your relationship with God. Because of that, having a godly perspective on this issue, these matters, is vital for our success. If I learn much about life and God and spiritual stuff and kingdom and I leave out this component, I've left out such a large component that I'm probably not going to make much progress. You know, it's like, well, I have most of the car, <laughs> but I don't have... Who's the motorheads in the house? I left out my transmission. Okay. <laughs> well, you've left out a pretty important part of your vehicle if it's going to go anywhere. Even if you have one of these, you know, newfangled things. <laughs> Without motors, you know, the kind that just have batteries. Uh, some of them are really cool. But that, okay, you left out your tires. You're still going to have an issue. Right? So we don't want to lift, uh, 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 we don't want to remove this part from what we're doing. Yeah? Yeah. Two extremes, I shared these with you last week. Two extremes. One is poverty. Another is covetousness. Right? Poverty is an extreme. Stay away from that. If you've been there or are there, you know. That's bad. Yeah, that's bad. That's not God. That's a curse. Uh, another one, though, is covetousness. I'm not encouraging you to avoid prosperity because that's just, that's like breathing. God created you to succeed in life, to win. All right. Uh, but covetousness is a real problem where people make money their God and they live for the wrong thing. We want to avoid that so we can stay in the middle of the road and let God bless us and make us a blessing to others as well. Okay. Matthew chapter six. Did you find that yet? It's right there where we left it. Verse 19, Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
So according to the Lord, and he's right, your heart follows your money. You could say treasure, your stuff. Your, your heart trails. Your heart follows your money. As we shared with you last week, your life follows your heart, right? So the content of your heart determines the outcome, determines what you're going to say, determines where you're going to go. And so your heart is going to follow your money. So isn't it interesting how much our treasure is the, the leader in our life? If you'll do the right thing with your money, you can actually steer your life to go a certain direction, all right? Uh, at the same time, good or bad, all right, uh, it has that, that impact on us. Jesus here taught us that uh, what you want to do is uh, ha- put your money in, in heaven. If your treasure's in heaven, your heart will be there. So I'm not going to say, I just love the Lord. I just serve the Lord with all my heart. I just worship God. And, 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 and your, your, your treasure is disconnected from that. That's just not going to be, okay? That will never happen. You're not the exception. Well, in my situation, no, 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 stop with your situation. Your situation is like my situation. These laws of the kingdom work universally. They work for all people. This is how we're created and how the universe operates. Uh, Jesus is just telling us, this is how it works. I mean, a lot of his teaching was that way. A lot of his teaching was, listen, you guys, this is how it works. It's like this. It's like when the farmer sows the seed. It's like when the fisherman does that. It's like this, this, this. This is how the kingdom works. Smart people say, oh, okay, you're giving me spiritual insights to an invisible world. And if I can know them, I can you know, make my life count. Yeah, and so this is just a fact. This is how it works, okay? So knowing that, we start making decisions based upon this knowledge. Now, turn, if you would, uh, right turn to Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. Now, if you're new with us, you're new to church or you're new to the Bible, I get that. We're, we've all been new to all this at some point. And you say, I don't even know what a Philippians is. A Philippians is a cool letter <laughs> to a group of people a long time ago, but it was revelation from God, so it applies to our lives. All right, Philippians. Those are the people that lived in Philippian. Or, or Philippi. <laughs> uh, Philippians, now Paul wrote this letter, Paul the apostle. Okay, verse 10, he writes, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Okay, now let's just stop for a moment. Uh, Paul is writing this, and just to give you a little background or history, he is writing this from his prison cell, all right? Paul was in jail. Why was he in jail? It wasn't because he was a criminal. He was in jail for preaching the gospel, okay? Uh, for the, I'm thankful. I'm, I have a similar calling to Paul. I mean, he might have been a little higher, but you know what I mean. But similar calling, I'm also a preacher of the gospel. I am really happy to be able to be doing this here instead of from in jail. But just to get a little context, he was doing this from there. And what, is, what does he say? I rejoice in the Lord greatly. 
Yeah. I mean, if you were in jail, would that be the start of your letter? You know, or the start of a particular message? Would you just say, I'm out here, I'm over here shouting. I'm over here praising God. (laughs) How many know what sometimes in your life, depending on what's happening, you can't afford to praise God like this? Praise the Lord. That's just extra bonus material for some who are living in your comfort zone. Uh, he said, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. And uh, anyway, go, he goes on to say, though you, do, you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. So what he's saying is they wanted to help him. They wanted to assist him. They wanted to give to him, but they lacked an opportunity. Why is that? Well, He's in prison. They didn't have a giving app. It's not like, it's not like you could give anywhere at any time. And they, hey, let's designate this to Brother Paul's ministry, right? They had to actually be together and be in a, in a certain location. So they wanted to help him, but they didn't have a chance. Verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Whatever state, Idaho, Hawaii, right, Texas, whatever state he's in, I'm content. Okay, we know that's not what he meant, but how many think there's some application there? Well, if I just lived in Hawaii, I'd be content. No, you wouldn't. You would not. You For a minute. I mean, I would for a couple weeks. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? People need to learn that it's not about the, your, your location. It's not about some other things. There is, there is a contentment. He said, no matter what state I'm in, his state happened to be Penn State or State Penn. No, State Penn. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm milking the whole state thing a little too much. Uh, to be content. Verse 12. I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned to be, to both be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So look what he's saying. Paul, Paul knew how to live with abundance and lack. He'd been in both situations. Presently, it would be more on the challenge side. Yeah, he's rejoicing even though he's suffering at this moment. Uh, one one pe- thing people have said regarding God being abundant God, him wanting to prosper you, things like that. They say, well, I don't know about that because look at the lives of the, of the original apostles. They didn't exactly prosper Have you ever heard something said like that? I got to tell you, that's just incorrect. It's incorrect that they didn't. Paul said it right here. He said he had times where he had abundance. So he knew about having overflow, living in the blessing of God. He also knew how to live without it. And the reason he lived without it was because of persecution. He preached and they didn't like someone saying Jesus is the only way. Yeah, so they would fact check him, cancel him, put him in, that's what they did. <laughs> we just, they just upgraded that today. But that's what they did. And, 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 cause how many know in their day, they didn't necessarily mind someone preaching Jesus. They just didn't really like you to mess with their gods. 
And isn't that the same thing we do today? We may not have people worshiping these little statues and stuff in our country, but people have all kinds of gods, and we say, no, Jesus is the only way. It, it irks some people. And they come out with claws, and they, they, they do all kinds of things, okay? But he dealt with this firsthand, and he knew how to, how to abound. He also knew how to be abased. And, and I want you to notice this language in, in, that he used here. Paul learned how to be content in any state. Well, what did he do? He just instinctively knew how to be that way? No, he learned how to handle what was happening to him. So it wasn't, I received Jesus, I was born again, and now nothing matters to me in the world. Everything's easy. I have a perma smile and I can be, I'm content no matter where I am in life, in the palace or in the prison. I'm just a happy camper. No, that wasn't automatic. He said, I have learned how to be content in any state. All right. So if Paul had to learn this and he had been to heaven and back, he had, has much firsthand revelation. If he had to learn it, what do you think we need to do? We have to learn this. If you are not naturally content, and you maybe presently are just trying to change everything around you before you'll be happy, I gotta tell you, you're in the same boat as the rest of, of us, same position as Paul. You just need to learn some lessons. If you don't learn them, it stinks to be you because you'll be unhappy no matter where you are. Nothing else will satisfy in life. You have to learn this just like Paul did. It didn't come naturally to him and it doesn't come naturally. Let me say, when I say naturally, automatic to us. And the reason is because we have flesh. We have a body, we have, and, and a, a body's not sinful, but flesh is used in the scripture as usually a sinful thing. Uh, we have flesh, and the flesh is never satisfied. H have you noticed that about yourself? It will always want something else, something other than what you currently have, something new, something different. You might, you know, your mind might say, oh, no, no, no. If I had this, if I had this car, I'd be... I'd be feeling good. I know, for a minute. You would for a minute and you'd drive down the road. You know, or maybe in a Tesla. <laughs> no sound. <laughs> you'd drive down the road for a minute and you'd enjoy it and you'd be happy. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But if you haven't learned this lesson, your head's gonna start turning. Oh, look at that. What does that guy got? What, is, what, what do they have? Oh, I need one of those. Mine's, this is kind of getting old already. This is, it got dirty. <laughs> I need to get a new one. Yeah? It'll work with a, it'll work with a car, works with a house. It will, it'll work with a spouse. Yeah? Well, I've been driving this model for a while now. <laughs> and your head starts turning. Oh, if I had her... I'd be happy. I'd really, man, if I had someone like that, 
Oh, that guy, that, you know, that person, they're so much, that's what I really need. See, your flesh will do that to you all day long. It'll do it to you the rest of your life until you learn the lesson. Learn the lesson of contentment that says, I need to know how to live where I am with what I have. Some of those things can be upgraded in the right you know, environment, in the right situation, the right time, the right way. Some of them can't. <laughs> you don't understand what I mean by that? <laughs> you have to keep that one. So you, <laughs> so you better learn how to, how to deal with that. The thing is, the non-content soul will always find something to be unhappy about. It's just true. You could live in a palace. You could, you could have so many, you could have five jets and three boats and a, and a rocket ship. You could have what no one else has and it won't take long. The non-content soul will be dissatisfied with it. And start looking for something else to fill that void, to make up that thing in your life. Now listen, uh, God doesn't mind if you have a new house. He doesn't mind if you get a new car. He minds if you get a new spouse. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't mind if you get a boat or a, a nicer boat than you have if you have one already. Uh, he just doesn't want you to have those things on the brain continually. Where all you think about is car, car, car. All you think about is boat, boat, boat. If, if that's all you think about, if that's on your mind constantly, whether you have it or you don't have it and you want it, and you go to bed thinking about it, and you rise up thinking about it, and you're just thinking about it all day long, you've got a problem. You have a soul issue. You have an, an, an incontent soul that needs to be repaired before God can bless you before you can really enjoy his riches in a proper way. Amen. And so it's not even about how much things cost. Sometimes people, they think with human mentality, they think, oh, this is too much money. God would never, you know how rich he is? <laughs> it's people do that. People who have money on the brain are always talking about how much stuff costs. Yeah. Oh, do you see how much this costs? Cost, 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 cost. Some of it comes from a poverty mentality, which maybe I'll talk about that later. Not today. But some of it is just that money on the brain, possessions on the brain, and they can't grasp the blessings of God or how big God thinks because of this issue in their soul. Paul said here, you read it, many of you reacted to it when I, when I read. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a very popular passage of scripture that many of us have quoted. Can I tell you what he didn't say? He didn't say you could do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He said he could do all things through Christ who strengthened him. You did catch that, right? <laughs> so, well, doesn't that apply to us if you learn the lesson? He learned how to get there. He learned how he could do all things through Christ. He had to learn the lesson of finding contentment, fulfillment, satisfaction in Christ alone. And because he learned one of these most valuable lessons, he could be anywhere, even in prison, unjustly, and still keep a smile. How you doing, Paul? Oh, I'm really doing really good. And he's not just trying to put you off. 
Paul, you can't be doing good. You're in a really tough place. I know, but ah, there's something inside of me. I'm just satisfied. I'm just happy inwardly. Isn't that what you want? We do want this. And uh, this is a valuable thing for all of us to learn. And doing all things through Christ who strengthens us is not just a blanket statement that means everything. You know, you tr- people try to apply it to all things in life. To I can do all things. You can? Like, all things? Like, could you dunk a basketball? Some of you saying, yeah, I could. <laughs> if you're 5'2", <laughs> probably not. Well, through Christ you can, though, right? Yeah, no, but you're not doing it in th- through Christ. I can do all things. Here's what he's talking about. I can, no matter where I live, no matter what my circumstances are, I can still find my contentment. This is a message we must all have. If, you're, if you are single and you want to be married, can I encourage you this way? Find your contentment in Jesus while you're single before you get married. If you don't, you're just going to be a leech you're going to be sucking out of that person all your fulfillment. You're going to be a weight on them. And you're going to be saying, meet my needs, meet my needs. I need you to do this for me. I need you to be this for me. If someone comes to you and says, I can't live without you, say, okay, well, then you're going to have to. Because you need to say, I can't live without Jesus. And once you get that figured out, then come back and we'll talk. At the same time, instead of talking about the other person, let me talk to you. If you, are, if you are that person, you're thinking, I can't be happy until I have this person or I have some person that fits the, the, the image that you have imagined, you need to back up. The Lord would be happy to bless you with a wonderful person, but you need to get it straight inside of you or you're going to mess that person up. Find contentment where you are with what you have and you know, we read last week, 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, where he writes, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Yeah? You will never be rich in God without learning contentment. Okay? You may even attain financial wealth, but it won't satisfy. Truly content people can give up any material thing and keep their joy. And that's, a, that's really a tough one. You think about it. Think about what you have. Could you give it up? If you had to, or if, if it was necessary, could you give it up and keep your smile and say, oh, I'm still fine. Because it, 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 it's a mature position. But if you're a believer, you should know that the, your relationship with God is the only thing on this planet that you should never give up. Everything else is subject to the whims and wind, the winds of change and so forth in, in this world. That's the only thing that's, that should sustain you through all of it. It is impossible to live this contented life without Jesus. All right? If you want it, this is the starting place. But can I tell you, for, for those of you who are already believers or something else here, it is impossible for the believer, for the Christian, to live a contented life perpetually if they keep 
their eyes on the wrong thing. If I'm just staring at stuff and things and that's the focal point of my existence, I'm going to find discontentment as well, even though I'm saved. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. See, he wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to bless you beyond your wildest dreams, but he doesn't want to mess you up. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to find your joy and your hope and your fulfillment in those blessings. It needs to be in him. Sometimes when I teach on worship, I'll say things like this. If you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping someone else or something else. We're just created that way. We just do that. People who say they don't even believe in God, they are worshiping something as a God in their life. They just do that. And the reason the, Jesus said the Father seeks such to worship him, he, how many know God knows this? If you will put your affection on him, it will line everything else up in your life. But putting it on something else actually does us damage. Amen. Now, I want to, last few minutes here, shift, shift gears just a little bit and address something that has become popular over the last several years uh, in terminology. Okay, it's used in the world, usually by people who write and do, and do stories and stuff to criticize some ministers and some Christians, and it's used by some parts of the body of Christ to criticize other parts of the body of Christ, which I hate that that even exists, okay? But I want to throw this phrase out there so I can tell you what I think, all right? You judge it by the word. We can all think for ourselves. You're allowed to do that here. Okay, here's the phrase. It is called prosperity gospel. You ever heard that? That, that, that phrase? Okay, uh, I don't know anyone who, they may, they may be, but I don't know anyone who labels themselves as such. I don't know any churches or ministries that say, we are a this, we are a prosperity gospel group. I do know others that like to point their fingers at other people and say, they are that. They are one of those. And they're usually, okay, like all the time, not saying it in a constructive or edifying way. They're usually putting them down. All right. And so say, well, what is that? Well, I've searched the scriptures and that phrase is not there. Okay, when I look at the word of God, I see that there is only one gospel. Gospel means good news. When we say it in a general sense, the gospel is the grace of God. It's the work of Jesus on the cross. It is his redemptive work in our lives. It includes forgiveness of sins. It includes salvation, eternal life. It includes healing and deliverance and freedom. Joy and peace are, 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 are a part of it. Uh, healing, did I say that? Healing is a part of it. And yes, also prosperity is a part of that. Jesus gave us an all-inclusive salvation. All right. Some of it is yet to come, meaning the, the redemption of our bodies when they are in an instant made to be likened unto Jesus' body, that is still to come. But much, the vast majority of it is accessible to the believer here and now. Okay? You don't have to wait to get to heaven to be happy. If you are, quit. Knock it off. The Lord has joy for you here today. Yeah. 
And so that is the, the gospel. What I think when people have created this label is they have created what's called a straw man. All right, are you familiar with a straw man argument? It's, it's, it's basically when people deliberately distort a particular viewpoint or argument and then they've created this image that doesn't exist and then they attack it, okay? It's not real, but it's a distortion of someone else's position and then they can throw anything they want at it and if anyone subscribes to any part of it, they label them as being uh, a believer in the embodiment of what they have created. So in, uh, in spiritual circles, in Christian circles, what some have done is they've taken the most extreme statements from this person and this person and this person, and they put all the, 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 the forest out there beliefs and then mix in some truth, otherwise it doesn't even look like a human being, you know. Uh, but take some extreme statements, they put them all together, and they create this thing. And then, like I said, if anyone believes any part of it, they want to label you as such. In this case, prosperity gospel. Oh, they're a prosperity gospel, which causes others to say, oh, I don't want to be a part of that. Well, hold on here. There are some really good things in what that person is saying, and they just got categorized to make you avoid the whole thing. How many know that's a dangerous position for us to be in? One, for the body of Christ to constantly be finding fault in everyone else. How many know there are different parts of the body of Christ even in our city? And I can tell you firsthand, some of it, like, I don't agree with that person on that point. But you know what? Over here, they're awesome. In this area, they've got it going on. Okay? And I think we should be as... People used to say, as smart as the old cow. Eat the hay and spit out the sticks with all subjects. Yeah? You know, I grew up around cows, and so I understand that not all hay was equal. There was some really good alfalfa, you know, and that, in that particular bale, it would be, they would lick the bowl, so to speak. And they'd eat it, the cows would eat it, all that. And then we had other hay, at times that wasn't so good and it'd have all these little sticks in there and just different stuff that grew, grew in the crop and it got baled together and you put that uh, there for the cows and they would eat the good stuff and when the time you got done, you had a mess because they were able to get the good stuff out of it and leave all the other stuff. Should we be that way? Yeah, I think it would be, it would be a sign of wisdom health, perspective, love, discernment, for us to be able to take any subject and say, yeah, this is good, and eh, I don't know about that. I'm not going to swallow that right now. Yeah, I mean, no, that would help the body of Christ to get along. (laughs) And there's some things you may just say, I just don't agree with that. Okay, but how many know you you don't have to criticize the entire ministry? or the entire person, or, or assign them their place in hell as a result of one thing they said wrong. I mean, do they preach Jesus as the Savior, as the way, the truth, and the life? That's the starting point for all of us. Yeah? 
And so, anyway, I'm not a real big fan of, of, of using labels like that because usually they're used in a negative way and they, they, they've created this, this body of beliefs or theology that really hardly anyone truly subscribes to. People believe in parts of it. And I want to be able to look at every statement Every belief, every doctrine, in, when we're talking about finances or we're talking about any subject, people have a tendency to get in the ditch on any subject. That's kind of how the enemy works, right? It's either keep people away from the truth or if they fi- discover the truth, try to push them too far and either way get out of balance. But we want to stay in the middle of the road and, and understand the ways of God. Is it possible for someone to overemphasize prosperity? Certainly. Materialism is a real thing. You can overemphasize this stuff. Is it also possible to underemphasize prosperity and riches and wealth? Totally. Totally. I can tell you, you know real life. Um, Let's just stay here on planet Earth for a minute, you know, with our eyes in heaven. (laughs) But in real life, I've been pastoring for a while. Yes, and I've run into lots of people who are materialistic. And it's like, dude, you've made this thing your God. You need to get content where you are and put the Lord on the throne of your life. But can I tell you, I've also met a lot of people, they're not doing that and they're struggling financially. And what do they need? They need the promises of God's blessing in their life. They need to know how God will make a way when there seems to be no way, that he is the supplier of all of our need. And there is a great need for teaching on that side of the equation. I don't like to see Christians who are up to their eyeballs in debt. And some of you are. I want to tell you the Lord wants to help you get out of it. And not just back to zero. Zero is not God's plan for your life. What's his plan? So, so that you have an abundance for yourself to be a blessing. So that your car is not rattling down the road. You hardly ever know if you're going to make it to your destination. He wants to give you better than that. And he wants to make you a blessing. So that you can help the other person who's rattling down the, car, down the road in their car and not knowing if they're ever going to make it. Hallelujah. Everybody okay today? Yes. Let me give it one half of a verse for the, to end. Uh, one of the things Jesus said starting his ministry, uh, he quoted from Isaiah. He opened the scroll and read. And he, he read from Isaiah, and it's recorded for us in Luke 4.18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Put it up here. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And you might wonder, why does he single out poor people? Because rich people need the same forgiveness of sins as poor people. Isn't that right? You don't go to heaven because you have success on earth. You have wealth and riches. You need saved just like everybody else. But yet he singles out the poor. Well, how many know good news, gospel, or good news to a poor person is not receive the Lord, but you're going to starve to death and then go to heaven? Good news for a poor person includes that God will, will help you in all areas of life and lift you out of poverty. I may teach this in the coming weeks, Lord willing, but 
describing to you how poverty is, is defined in Scripture as being a, a, a very much of a curse. It's, and the Lord wants to lift people out of that curse. He wants to lift them up into a place of abundance and blessing, all the while with the safeguard that I'm content with or without, because my contentment is found in Him. I'll rejoice rattling down the road <laughs> or pulling over on the side and walking. <laughs> I'll rejoice in, the, in luxury. I can have it. I cannot have it. That is not an in indication of where I stand with God. Amen? Praise God. Why don't you say it with me today? Say, Father God, all of you is all I want. You are my fulfillment. You are my satisfaction. I find my contentment in you. Thank you for your many blessings, for material blessings, as well as other things. But I find my fulfillment in you and you alone. Help me to see it your way, to see things through your eyes and to keep everything in its proper place. Praise God. Father, we thank you today. I thank you for working in the lives of every person, lifting up people in despair and people in lack, people who are in poverty, lifting them up to a place of abundance.